0: You're listening to Seaside Book Club Discussions, bringing you the authors and their work. Come sit with host Dawnasia Furlow to discover and discuss. Hello, welcome to another episode of Seaside Book Club. This episode is a special virtual book club installment. Today I'm here with Angela Jensen to discuss the five love languages by Gary Chapman. Angela Jensen is a speaker, teacher, and coach who works with men and women to find their self-confidence, improve their relationships, and transform their lives using a coaching method that changes their habits and underlying beliefs to achieve their dreams. Angela went to school at Dakota Wesleyan University for Psychology, and prior to becoming a heart Center transformational life coach, she spent many years working in the entertainment and technical industry. Angela is also the host of the ACS Podcast Show. Her keys to success are to forgive easily and give without expectation. Angela, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here tonight with you.
0: Oh, definitely. And I was really excited. Uh, As you know, we've been talking for a few days about The Five Love Languages and how impactful that book is. Uh, When did you first hear about The Five Love
1: Languages? that's a really great question. I probably read the book for the first time a little over two years ago. And since then, I've read it several times because it does impact my career and my work and working with my clients so heavily.
0: Wow. What exactly have you found to be the most useful tools to understanding your partner's love language?
1: So the most useful tools or one of the most useful tools actually is going out to the website and taking the love languages quiz that's available free of charge for anyone to go out there and really understanding what your own personal love languages are, the way that you receive love and appreciation from your partner, the, the best or the most noticeable way in the way that you can really recognize and feel loved and supported.
0: Right. And do you have the link for that website or will we be talking about that just a little later?
1: I do have the link to the website if I can send it to you and you can put it in the show notes. Will that work?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. So for those of you listeners who aren't familiar with the love languages, they are as follow. We have words of affirmation and these are using words to build up the other person. We have gift giving, you know, a gift can say this person was thinking about me. We have acts of service, doing something for your partner or loved one that you know they'd like. Quality time, giving, of course, that special undivided attention to the person that you do love or care about. And five, we have physical touch, such so as holding hands, hugging, kissing, etc. So these are just those expressions of love. So Angela, do you incorporate the love languages into your relationships with your loved ones?
1: Absolutely. Um, I find that my primary love language is acts of service. I really recognize when people perform acts of service for me, especially around the house. those are things that speak very highly to me because those are tasks that I don't care to do a whole lot. yeah and I find that my partner will step in frequently and he will prepare dinner or he will do the dishes for me or he will maybe help me make a bed or clean something up. And that really makes me feel supported, understood, and appreciated. And he also has a love language that he receives quality time very well. He really appreciates when I make a conscious effort to put my phone down when we're spending some time together and we turn off the TV and we turn off all the electronics and we just have a conversation. And to him, he really appreciates that. That's one of his favorite things. That's where he feels loved and appreciated. So I do personally make an effort. I know I don't know if you're like me or many people out there where we're kind of addicted to the technology and walk around with our phones in front of our faces all the time. I know sometimes I'm guilty of that and around him or around other people that recognize that quality time is very important. I make that effort to put that down and I schedule that that time, just to make sure that it's dedicated and they know that they're important and that they come first.
0: Yeah, definitely. That speaks volumes, especially right now. A lot of us are linked so closely to our phones and our laptops, all of our electronic devices, because they're no longer just, you know, for entertainment and for communication. They are how we how we work for the most part, especially for those of us who work within social media. We're always checking something, checking the stats, doing this, doing that. And just disconnecting for a moment to ground yourself is really important. And I feel like, yeah, there are individuals who understand the gravity of I'm going to remove myself from this distraction. I want for us to have that time for each other.
1: Absolutely. You are spot on 100%. And the other thing to keep in mind with that is just because your partner's primary love language is quality time doesn't mean that all the time that you have to spend with them is quality time. You can schedule it and it can be as little as 15 minutes a day or maybe 15 minutes a few times a week if you're just getting started. But to put those distractions down and make them feel like they matter and help them recognize that you're talking to them and really focused and present and in the moment and just paying attention to them can do wonders for a relationship that might have been on the rocks or maybe even a new relationship that's just starting out It's something that is going to continue to grow and develop because you're being aware of that, of your partner's primary language and what they really need in their, in their relationships.
0: Yeah, that's definitely important to just look and listen and try to understand how that person receives love. For me, I am a gift giver and uh, words of affirmation. Those are my things. I am the kind of individual who, you know, I like to hear it. I like to hear words of appreciation, affirmation. So I try to remember that and give it. But just as you mentioned, um, other people, you know, have different love languages. Some individuals are like, you know what? Talk is cheap. You can say it all you want, but, you know, I need to see it. I need those acts of service, you know? Uh, So I am gift giving and I'll say all the cutesy things. And that's how I let people know. Like I like to be upfront, very vocal about it. So you know how I feel.
1: I totally agree with you. And just recognizing what your own love language is and knowing that you can give and receive in different languages. Like I said, I personally receive acts of service. That's my number one. But the way that I show people that I care about them without, without conscious thought and without paying attention to what their love language is, my go-to is to give people gifts. I'm definitely a gift giver, nice. but I don't receive gifts very well because that doesn't speak to me. That's actually my lowest love language. So I find it very interesting in myself that I naturally gravitate towards giving other people stuff, but I don't want to receive stuff.
0: You know, Angela, I'm weirdly the same way in a lot of ways. Like, I like to know that you did something nice for me. It's a thought that counts, yes. But yeah, I'm kind of weird receiving things. Now that you mentioned this, kind of like a little weird discovery for me that I just realized that, you know, sometimes I I get really hyped if I give someone something nice. I know that I spent a long time thinking about it. I listen to them talk about the things that they want and need things that they're interested in right now. And I'll receive something and I'll be like, you know, yeah, thanks. And I get
1: real shy about it. Like, I I don't know. It's a thing. It is a thing. And even recognizing that that's how somebody else is showing you love and appreciation, I found for me that was one thing that changed my mindset about it because I was in the same boat with you with, with that. And even though I don't necessarily, even though that's the one that receiving gifts is my lowest one. I still recognize when somebody else is giving me a gift, that that's how they're showing me love and appreciation. And it's opened so many doors and changed my perception on so many of my relationships because they really do care. My ex-husband was a gift giver and he used to give me gifts all the time. And I didn't recognize that that's how he was showing me that he cared and I would dismiss it. And then I would accuse him of not, being present in the relationship, not caring about me, not paying attention to me. And he was showing me at the time in the best way that he knew how, that he was caring about me and he was trying to provide for me and I couldn't see it. And now being on the other side of it, discovering Gary Chapman's work, becoming a coach and this transformational life coach, I'm able to see that that is the way that other people are showing me love and appreciation. And so I accept those gifts and recognize them for what they are, even though that is still the language that I receive the lowest in. Yeah,
0: you definitely spoke volumes just now. And I feel like a lot of the time, that's where a lot of the miscommunication is. You know, just like how you mentioned, you know, one person is giving these gifts and they're thinking that, you know, I spent a lot of time on this. I spent a lot of thought and effort. This is me going out to get you this wonderful beautiful gift that I just feel that you love and all this time you're yearning for maybe those acts of service that quality time and them just not understanding it a lot of time when someone finally communicates what their love language is it's usually wrapped up in all that vitriol where the person is just angry like you know you don't appreciate blah 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 you don't ever notice you know and that's how that finally comes out and any aha moment that you do end up having usually is ruined by, you know, the intensity of the emotion that's felt at the time.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's why this work and this book and this information is so vital to get out there and that everybody can benefit so much from it because when you can just sit back and see how other people are showing you that they love you, some of that bitterness can go away and you can have a conversation about it because you know that they care You just recognize or you can just help them see that if they spoke your language, maybe a little bit more often, you don't even have to stop doing what you're doing. But if you add to it a little bit of what's more important to me, then I'll feel more cared about and our relationship can grow. And at the same time, if you're paying attention to your partner, you can start doing that without them even being aware that of what their language is because a lot of times you can tell what people appreciate and you can go through, you can start to do one and see how that reaction is. And if you're, if things aren't getting better and they're not recognizing it and it's not working, you can go to the next one and you can experiment and find what your partner's love language is, even if you're not having a conversation or having them take the test too.
0: Yeah. That's definitely something that I feel like a lot of people should go out to do. I think it'll save a lot of friendships relationships and of course love languages are not just for romantic relationships they're great for families you know friendships as well because we have so many different ways of communicating that we care in this vast world that we're in right now you know
1: yes yes and Gary Chapman has written other books as well that talk to those other relationships talk about relationships with your coworkers or maybe with your immediate and extended families. Talk about the relationships with your friends and the other people that are in your life. So going out and understanding that and applying those to all the relationships in your life is something that can be done and can be hugely enriching for both you and the other person involved without them having to do anything different.
0: Right. So let me ask you a question. You mentioned, uh, acts of service as a love language that you recognize from your partner. Now, let's talk a little bit about, you know, an individual that's seemingly doing all of the acts of service. So they feel like they're the only one that's out here doing this. And that's just how they love. You know, do you think it's possible to salvage a doormat relationship?
1: I do think that it is possible to to salvage a relationship and it's paying attention. If you feel like you are the one doing all of the acts of service, spend your time looking for the small things that your partner does, the little things, even if it is, you know, clearing the table, putting, putting their own plates in the sink after dinner and start appreciating that verbally, acknowledging that they're doing that. Hey, thanks for putting your plate in the sink And eventually your partner subconsciously will notice that and they'll be able, and they'll start doing more because they'll be seeking more of that appreciation or that acknowledgement that they're doing something that is making, that's making a difference and contributing and they'll start to do more of it. On the reverse side, if you feel like you're getting the anger side because somebody else feels like they're doing all of the work those little things, the same thing, start doing those little things and experimenting with speaking those different love languages until you find the one that speaks to your partner until you find the one that they notice. And you have to give it more than a day. I think that's something that you need to do for several weeks at a time and see how your partner responds to those things, because just like it didn't get to a state of disrepair or the state that your relationship is in overnight, it can't be fixed overnight. And so you have to give it a little bit of time. You have to experiment with some different things and you have to try some different things. But I absolutely think that if you're aware and making changes in your behavior and contributing to the relationship in a different way or paying attention and noticing the relationship in a different way that you can salvage it and build it back up.
0: Yeah. Well said. Definitely. I think those affirmation words, you know, linked in there where you're saying, you know, thank you for doing this. I recognize this can be just cues for the other individual to realize that, you know, I appreciate this as well. Because, you know, these things usually end up being spurted out later on when everything is already at that point where, you know, I feel like I'm doing everything in this thing or I'm always the one to get you gifts or I'm always the one that's out here doing all the chores and i find that especially with i'd say moms i see that a lot you know where they just feel just tapped out and their family just expects them to be there to do all of that stuff
1: and there's yes. like
0: a whole ton of thankless things that they do every day
1: there is a whole ton of thankless things that it can feel like we do and that there is an expectation there and we stop appreciating each other. So even as a burnt out mom, when you're overextended and it feels like all those things are thankless, acknowledging your spouse for what they do contribute will help build that in them. So I, I completely get it, right? You're burnt out, you're tired. And all your, all your spouse does is pick up a plate and put it in the sink after you've made dinner, after you've picked the kids up, after you done doctor's appointments after you've worked all day I get that that doesn't seem like something that you want to appreciate and acknowledge but if you appreciate and acknowledge that it also triggers something in your partner going oh she appreciates me around here oh maybe I should help more maybe I should do something else maybe I should pick up and put two plates in the sink and maybe I should clear the table maybe I should you know it'll grow from there Rather than telling your partner that they should appreciate you more, if you start showing that appreciation first, it will naturally come from them because that's what you pay attention on grows and expands. So when you pay attention on the things that you appreciate, you will find more things to appreciate and you will change your outlook and then things will start to shift around you and you will get more of what you're putting out. Yes, definitely.
0: Now, let me ask you a little bit on quality time. Now, do you think watching TV together is acceptable quality time?
1: I actually do not. There may be cases when you sit down and pick out a movie and you do that and there's some physical touch involved and maybe some of that stuff. Or if you have a show and you guys choose to sit down and watch that together uninterrupted, all the other electronics go off, maybe that can count towards quality time. But in general, when I'm advising people, when I'm working with my clients, I tell them that that does not count. You can schedule quality time, but it requires actually being present, sitting down and focusing on and having a conversation and really being present and aware of each other would be be the best way to describe quality time.
0: Yeah. No, that definitely makes sense. You know, there's a lot of time when people do think sitting down in front of the TV. And I want to say that started from us way back as the TV was invented with everyone. And it got into households where families would just sit in front of it with their little TV dinner sets. And it just kind of became a thing, just a distraction. And everything, every conversation was being held around this. You know, we got so comfortable with the white noise in the back, you know, that the absence of having something to distract us, you know, we just don't know how to connect anymore. A lot of us, and it's an active practice.
1: It is an active practice, and you can start small. One of the ways that I have grown and helped develop some of that quality time, there's some great aids out there. Um, trying to think of what it's called, there's this thing that you can get called the chat pack, and there's several different ones, and it comes with some very thought provoking questions and Just sitting down and going through those questions, or Gary Chapman actually has a conversation starter pack for quality time that you can go out and get. I think it's fifteen dollars and it comes with eighty questions where you can go through those questions and start conversations and learn how to connect and really get to know your partner through that quality time and through that process. And then another thing that I have started doing in a lot of relationships in my life, instead of asking, how was your day, which is a very common question. Somebody walks in the door, maybe the kids walk in the door, your husband walks in the door, your wife walks in the door, your partner walks in the door. And the question is always, how was your day? And the answer is usually good, pretty good, whatever that is. So one of the questions that I've started in my household is to ask, what was the best part of your day? What was your favorite moment of the day? Those types of things to get in and get some of that granular detail, because then you can get curious. You can start asking questions and you can learn how to connect because you'll be seeing what's really important to somebody else and what moments they're picking out of their day.
0: Yeah. That active listening definitely makes a difference because we can get caught up in just those automatic responses. How are you doing? I'm fine. And then we don't go any further than that. And then it's accepted as a superficial question, expecting a superficial you know, answer, especially when we don't follow up. We don't ask questions. There is not a continuation where you're like, oh, well, how's that project going at work? Did you get everything done today? you know, how's that whatever doing, just showing that we're actively interested in another person's life and wanting to know that, you know, that we are, you know, just actively engaged, that we care what happens when they leave the house, when they come back, like what their lives are outside of the relationship.
1: You are so right. And it's so important to do that in our lives. So learning those skills and helping people develop those skills or having those conversation starters to help yourself develop those skills can go a really long way when you're talking about quality time and really connecting with your partner.
0: Yeah. You know what I found to be a tricky love language for me had been physical touch outside of romantic relationships even within it in a sense because you know there are some times when you have a partner who their only way that they feel to express their love or attraction to you is to become physical a lot of touching and hugging and there are times when some individuals and i've heard about it feel almost objectified you know and this other individual is like no well i love you i'm attracted to you this is why i'm always trying to touch you this is why i'm always trying to be intimate with you and it can get weird
1: it can it can you're so right so there's some ways to combat that and some of those are simple gestures like holding hands when you're talking about an intimate relationship the the holding hands is an important one or even putting a hand on somebody's shoulder as they walk by or touching their arm when you go to ask a question. And as long as you keep that touch below the elbow, it that is more um, a friendly touch rather than an intimate touch. So paying attention to hand placement when you're doing that can go a long way, but that is a... Those are all physical signs and ways that you can engage in physical touch without being inappropriate or without typically without making somebody feel objectified. The opposite side of that, though, if physical touch is your language that you receive in and you need that in order to feel loved and appreciated and you're not getting that, that is one that can be a little bit tricky and sometimes you may have to have those conversations because in our modern culture, a lot of times we shy away from that physical touch. That's not something that is always socially acceptable. So sometimes you may have to have that conversation and bring that out so that people know that it or your partner knows that it is okay to engage in that type of touching, non-intimate, but just casual touching. And then it doesn't mean anything. And they know that they can do that and that that makes you feel loved and appreciated. So just recognizing that about yourself and having that conversation can go a long way towards helping to make that one a little bit less tricky.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been around like a chronic physical toucher who just could not read the room? And what are ways that you can communicate it? You know, excessive physical touch does not work for me.
1: I have. I am actually okay with physical touch. So it doesn't really make me super uncomfortable. However, I have had some instances where people who were innocently using the physical touch were touching in ways that that might have felt a little bit uncomfortable. And having those clearly defined boundaries, and that can be hard for some people to say, hey, I'm not really okay with that. I would really appreciate if you didn't do that. But having those clearly defined boundaries and being able to say that, clear as, to quote Brene Brown, clear is kind. And if you're telling somebody what your boundaries are, they know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. So again, it just goes back to that communication and making sure that you're comfortable communicating what's okay and what's not okay for yourself
0: i love that claire is kind that's something to just really just think about you know i feel like a lot of the time we are so caught up in sparing one another's feelings and it always almost always blows up in our face later when it you know rears its ugly head in some other way
1: right yes i agree with that and I I heard that quote from Brene Brown in exactly talking about just that. And I love that. So I bring that back up in this case, because if there is something that somebody is doing touching you in a way that is not comfortable, even if they don't mean it to be uncomfortable, being able to clearly articulate your boundaries and not not trying to spare their feelings because they're going to appreciate if they understand what the boundaries are and what you're okay with and what you're not okay with is especially if they're your friend or your family member, it's going to be better for them to understand that boundary rather than for you to be uncomfortable when you're around it. So yes, that, that is a, yes, I love that quote. Yeah. Now, we,
0: I think that we've gone through just about all, if not all, of the love languages. Just We've just grazed a little bit of everything just so there's some kind of uh, structure to it. Now, as far as the development of love languages, do you think that that is something that is formed over time from childhood?
1: I do. Everybody is raised in a different environment. And I think some of it is natural. But I also think that love languages can change over time. So I think a lot of it is environmental. Yes. Yeah. When I was younger, the love language that I received was very different than the love language that I receive now. And thinking about that, I have other people that I know that have always that have also gone through that. So while I do think a lot of it is from the way that we were raised, from when we were young, from the values that were instilled in us, I think that they can change based on who we become and on the environment that we surround ourselves with as we grow older.
0: Yeah, definitely. For me, you know, gift giving was such a huge part. I looked forward to it, you know, because it was something, you know, there's Christmas and it's like, you know, that your family, like my grandparents were big gift givers and you know, they thought about you all year long and they got you that one gift and you're just like, you were listening or you were watching. And so I think that's why I want to duplicate that feeling for other individuals because I know what I felt like as a kid having received something that was well thought out and having family members who cared enough to create that tradition, create that feeling for me and that experience. And I love duplicating it
1: for others. I think that's very insightful and I would, I would agree with that from my own family traditions as well. And that is very likely one of the reasons that gift giving ranks so highly on my list of languages that I speak. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very insightful just thinking about how that came to be and the traditions when you're talking about Christmas and the way that you felt and trying to help other people feel the same way that you did at that time.
0: Oh, yeah, most definitely. Now, let's discuss communicating love languages to children. If we can, you know, reach out to individuals who have kids that they may just not be connecting with, or children that seem to not get that, hey, I'm doing this because I love you.
1: Yes, children also have love languages. My, I have a small child in my life that doesn't like when people, even family members, hug them. And thinking about that physical touch is something that is not a language that is spoken, but their sibling is really strongly comes running out and will give anybody a hug. So raised in the same family, raised in the same place, but they both have different love languages because they receive and they give differently. So paying attention and experimenting with your children because your children can't really tell you what those love languages are, but what makes them... Excited? What makes them feel good? What puts them in the best mood? What makes them appreciate you? And you can figure out what your lo- what the love language is for your children, and be able to speak that to them and make and help them to feel more loved than maybe they already do, and that can that can definitely change a child's behavior too.
0: Yeah. So, I find it so interesting. Just how in-depth that you are with love languages, recognizing them, communicating them, you know, as well as having those tools at your disposal to help people understand each other better in a world where we are so isolated. And just those points of connection are, they're ancient, but at the same time, so many of us are rediscovering it because of where we are right now in this ever changing world so i definitely want to ask so much about your acs podcast show and you know what topics you guys discuss
1: so each month on our show we take one topic and we dive in and we talk about it for the whole month so We may talk about perception and we'll talk about ways that we perceive things, how others perceive us, how we can change our perception on the world around us and about what's going on. So we'll talk about that for a month or we might talk about gratitude. We might talk about self-love. We'll talk about your relationship with your finances. So we just talk about a different topic that pertains to you as an individual that pertains to your everyday life. That's something that you might bump up against every day and help you find the tools to integrate that into your life. And we do that in a fun conversational way and relate real life situations and stories from our own lives into that so that you can see that practical application as we're talking about those topics.
0: That sounds good. Very insightful. You know, that reminds me so much of that podcast happier. I absolutely love listening to, Uh, Gretchen Rubin and her sister just kind of go back and forth on those little life tips and I didn't understand just how fully enjoyable how gratifying a good conversational podcast can be you know when you're doing errands when you're driving home from work and it definitely sounds like one of those things where you have individuals who are just saying all those things that you know is in your mind but you just hadn't really maybe found the right person to discuss those things with or how you can streamline your life better. There's so many things that we're doing. We're always on this big to-do list and we can neglect a lot of those things.
1: Yes. And so that's what we love. And we also love to receive questions and topic ideas from our listeners so that we can bring to everybody's lives the, the stuff that really matters to them the stuff that they're looking for the topics and the tips and the information that they need to help them on their journey and to get to wherever our listeners are trying to go we just want to help them on that journey and enjoy the journey and the process on the way
0: that is amazing i'd like to thank you so much for coming on the show for this installment of the virtual book club
1: thank you so much for having me it's been so much fun.
0: Oh, I've had fun as well. I definitely want to delve so much deeper into the love languages. And I'd like to thank you listeners for tuning in. This has been another episode of Seaside Book Club Discussions. This is your host, Anija Furlow, signing out. Remember, listeners, keep reading.